Welcome back to Beards and Brews. This week's review is going to be V for Vendetta from 2005. Gentlemen, so what do you guys think about this V fella? Who? Uh, v. Uh, there he is with his mask that I saw oh so popularized by Hot Topic while I was growing up. Fucking everyone, yeah. Yeah. Right, Apparently, ahead. like, it was a mask that was, like, super mass produced even before the movie for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah, I, I had seen it around, but I didn't really know the context of it until this film. It's It's got a cool look to it, regardless. Yeah, so just for, you know, posterity's sake, so everybody knows the context, Guy Fox, he was like, this guy who in uh, 1605 attempted to blow up the British Parliament. Uh, they now have, on November 5th, a Guy Fox Day, which is basically, I guess, kind of to make fun of him. I don't know. Like, I don't really get why they celebrate Guy Fox Day, but uh, down with fascism. Well, I feel like uh, with a holiday like that, it's just a reason to drink, you know? You think they do a lot of drinking on Guy Fox Day? Just for the fuck of it. Get at us, British people. Uh, if you do a lot of drinking on Guy Fox Day, put it in the comments. Remember, remember, ladies and gentlemen, this was a DC Comics film. So, what? yeah, it was. Yeah, this oh. is actually an Alan Moore, um, an Alan Moore comic. Yeah, I knew it was uh, Alan, based on an Alan Moore comic, and this was directed, I believe, by somebody. Somebody? No, uh, it was written. The script was written by the Wachowski. Uh, siblings. Siblings, yes, of The Matrix fame. Now, now, this movie definitely oozes with that, like, turn-of-the-century Matrix vibe. But for some reason, I feel like this movie could have been even, like, grungier, even darker. You think so? Yeah, it's just, like, it's shot so fucking well. It looks so good. I feel like... <laughs> it's too I feel good. Like, yeah, it's just too good, too perfect. I feel like London... I don't know why, probably because every movie it's shown it's fucking god-awful disgusting. Maybe I just wanted to see it more god-awful and disgusting. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the fascists, they keep it clean. You know, Mussolini was a terrible guy, but he kept the trains on time, you know? Oh my god, I feel like it's a t-shirt. That was kind of something they said. I don't know if it was Mussolini or Franco, or it was one of those fascist guys. He kept the trains going on time. Under the mask of Mr. Guy Fawkes is... Agent Smith, Hugo Weaving. For most of it, yeah. And he, I think he is the absolute best part of this movie. Um, the writing for his character is fucking phenomenal. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Like, yeah. even when he goes on his, like, little vexatious, vibrant, whatever... Vicious, monologue, vibrating... <laughs> yeah, it, it goes on perfectly, because, like... At first, I was just like, oh my god, somebody read a thesaurus. Fantastic. Yeah. But then, like, you get into it, like, man, this is fucking good. Like, he's in it. Uh, just to set the stage for everything that's about to go down, at the very beginning, we see this sort of Glenn Beck kind of figure on the television screens who's barking this propaganda about, you know, the United States is desperate for medical supplies. We should tell them to fuck off. Um, they're turning into the world's biggest leper colony. We've taken the virus, like, we are in control of the virus over here. Tell them to fend for themselves. All of that good stuff. It's because of their godlessness. It's, <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, like, we're in this weird, um, I don't even want to call it, like, post-apocalyptic, because it, it isn't quite, we don't really know what happened outside of Britain, but Britain is, like, on the super lockdown by this new fascist regime. Yeah, and... You know, you had the Glenn Beck vibes. I was like, why is this Alex Jones? 
<laughs> yeah, Glenn Beck, Alex Jones, definitely like that kind of thing. Sam Bang Americans are turn all them frogs gay. Yeah. It's just like I saw it all go down in Britain. It's Wayne Gale. Just going yeah. crazy on the news. What was, what was he saying? Like uh Tonka Tatonka Tatonka in Batongaville. That's basically what it was. He's like uh yeah, very Glenn Beckish. It's kinda weird. And also kind of on point. Most of this movie, a lot of this movie, has a lot of stuff that still rings true right it's now, especially in the States. It's uh, a little bit too um what's the word? Foreshadowing. Yeah, definitely on the nose hint. Yeah. It is the living embodiment of that. That meme I'm talking about, the can I borrow your homework? Sure, just change it up a little bit. Yeah. What's happening in this movie is happening current time, which is fucking nuts. Yeah. Right now we're living in P for pandemic. Oh! Yeah. Where is our Guy Fawkes Batman? I think that's up to you. I think it's up to Nick Cage. No, at... No, it's not, because we are the leper colony. The guy, Fox Batman, is over in the UK somewhere. He's still getting ready. All right, fair enough, fair enough. So they don't explain a lot about, you know, how this character functions. We get introduced again, you know, to this guy, Fox guy, and he's wearing all black. He's got some knives. He's got the cool little mask and the little hat. But he's got super strength sometimes when the movie wants him to. Because he punches the dude and he goes flying yeah. across the alley and smashes into a wall. I don't know. Like, is he a superhero? They touch on it briefly where I guess when he escaped his like captors or whatever, he's just running on pure hate and revenge. So I guess he's just always 100% adrenaline. Yeah, I don't know. I just chalked it up to him having to be away from everyone for so long that like all he really had to do was like train and, you know, muscle up and practice <laughs> on his, his knife. Being swollen and crumpets. That's what this movie's all about. <laughs> Movies B for Batman. With train and make little eggs and toast. Because think about this: the movie picks up in an alley where a woman is going to get killed, and that's when yeah, we get. No, she's just going to get fingered. Oh this, no! This fucking whole scene is just as creepy as Rodney Dangerfield in Natural Born Killers. The shit they are saying is so fucking gross. It, it was super creepy and unjust, but man, I'd like to point out. A serious flaw in this movie, also known as Natalie Portman. What? Now, she's yeah, a great I'll... actress. No, no, for me, she's a great actress. Like, even when she was like nine or eight in Leon, she's fantastic. But in this movie, she's fucking boring. Everything that happens, she's just like, whoa. I, I, I think that's just the character that she's forced to portray because I had that same issue because. She she's giving you know these these opportunities to do something in this role and it just kind of falls flat and it, uh, to me though it feels more not so much her fault as it does the writing for that character. I guess so. I mean, it definitely feels like it's uneven because V is one hundred and ten percent fleshed out, and Natalie Portman's character is just like oh, I just have to be here. What? Well, it's not. It's not like Natalie Portman's character, Evie, was a revolutionary or anything to begin with. She had a lot of conflicting thoughts throughout mm. all of this, everything that's happening to her. Like, you have what happened to her parents, and then she's got a normal life right now, you know, being okay, working in, like, a news studio. And then this revolutionary guy comes and maybe helps her out or whatever, and I, I, that's got to be a conflicting thing for her. 
Uh, no, I like I get the like the internal conflict. I just meant like her reaction to everything around her just seems super muted. Like even when she's about to be fingered per se, she's just like, "Oh no, that's awful! Please don't." And no, like okay. two minutes later, and two minutes later, she's on a building, watching this other building getting blown to smithereens, and she just covers her mouth. She's like, "Oh, that's well, fucking with... crazy, isn't it?" And she goes to work the next day like nothing fucking happened, and fetches coffee. Yeah. It just seems super weird, but what also she's to do, kind of British. What she's supposed to do if she doesn't go to work and she doesn't act like everything's normal, then the police are going to come for her because she's kind of an accessory at that point. Well, they came for her anyway, so you know, you yeah, may as well just start. Like, she knew what was up. Her parents were drug away, you know, and black bagged, as they put it. Mm-hmm. So I don't really get why she was... I don't know. To me... I know the movie's got a movie, and she is a plot device in that film, but some of the times the situation she's in is, as Eric was saying, just kind of nonsensical. So how we got to that point was Evie was supposed to be on her way to, I guess, a co-worker's, uh, like a, a somebody Stephen she Fry's knows. Place. house to Yeah, Stephen Fry's place. It was a booty call. It was, it was a dinner. Was, you know... It's the English. Booty call is like the fifth date. Um, I don't know, like an like an arse call. <laughs> but um, yeah, she's on her way to Stephen Fry's house after. Uh, uh, she was seeing a finger man that night, one way or the other. <laughs> these two men that accost her are evidently like police or Gestapo or whatever they are. And at this point, we have like this little like meandering between, you know regular fascist Britain and this uprising of just like feelings in Britain, you know, this big anarchist feeling to the point to where she briefly like sees one of those V masks in like the mail. And she just has like a moment of just like realizing like, oh shit, something's about to happen. Yep. And you ain't wrong. Cause guess who shows up at her work? That's right. Hugo weaving himself. Yeah, um, what was the reason that he came there? It was, uh, what, to, like, block the broadcast and send his own signal over the airwaves to talk about, like, all right, join me on the next 5th of November uh, at the Parliament steps and we're going to, you know, start a revolution, this kind of stuff. He was literally broadcasting an anonymous message. If anyone's out there ever seen anonymous on YouTube or anything like that, it's that. That's where that whole idea came from. You also get, like, a tiny insight of, like, how well-planned his plan is and how much time he's had to just think over it. Because not only did he take over the media station, you know, Natalie Portman so happened to work at, but he did it all remotely. He got all those people dressed up and ready for that little raid or whatever. But most importantly, during his broadcast, he had a cute little VTV logo right in the corner. Yeah, I guess when all of this is going on, he sort of captured and recostumed all of the crew for the TV studio while he made his escape. That was pretty cool. And one of the hostages was like, running out, dressed Mm -hmm. like G. And the cops were like, oh shit! And they mowed mowed him down immediately. And it's like, on camera. And speaking about how on point politically this movie is currently to the United States, I was just like, damn. That hits. <laughs> it's like, we got the terrorist. He was shot dead, even though they know that it's, you know, just an innocent bystander. Tyler, the creator, that was a fucking lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one of the police, one of the detectives, you know, finally gets to V and is like, all right, put him up. I've got you. You're cornered. 
and he doesn't see that Evie is the only one left on the floor that's been unscathed. And Evie just like sneaks up behind him and like what whacks him with a something or other. She maces him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, maces him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maces him so that V can escape. But somehow she gets knocked out or something, and V's like, ah, I gotta save you too. And, oh, that's right. He whacks her with the the gun, the butt of her, his gun. And yeah. then she wakes up down in fucking the Batcave. Yep, down in the Batcave. It's a very nice Batcave, though. It reminds me of the basement on the uh, uh, the house in Solitude on Skyrim. It's very <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Got a bunch of old farts with big beards just walking around. Please don't strike me, but you do it anyway because you get leveled up. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you until I took one of V's daggers to the knee. <laughs> But she wakes up and dude's making like some French toast with an egg on it. Like this guy kills people often and sometimes in just vicious ways. But he is 100% gentleman. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He is English English. He is comically wearing a cooking apron that is pink <laughs> with like flowers. <laughs> and he's still wearing his mask, his wig, uh, the whole get up aside from his gloves. Yeah. And that gives you a little insight at further on before he like the whole fucking spiel about how he became who he is. His hands are fucking disgusting. They're burnt. They like yeah. they're like that third degree burn that never goes away. So like it's always red and just like they need <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. So basically he says if they know where you work, they know where you live, you have no place to go. You're staying here. I can't let you go. This was my biggest complaint in this movie. Now mind you, they rectify it five minutes later. And I mm -hmm. think they did that because they realized how stupid it was. Mm. But he's like, you can't leave. And she's like, oh, you should have just let them kill me. It's like, are you, what? Yeah, what kind you of bullshit alternative is that? Like, I could be yeah. non-existent at the moment. Or I could have some, like, eggs on toast. In this fucking museum. It's gorgeous. She's got a lot of conflicting ideas. Like, I, I get it. It's just, there's just something missing. Like, even when Brady said it was, like, rectified five minutes later because she just fucking storms away like a teenager, throws herself on the bed, just pouts. Like a couple hours later, she comes back, like, uh, hey, you want to watch a movie? Uh, you want to hang out? They do. <laughs> well, I think what it is is she finally has an opportunity to think to herself, all right, I don't have any family. As soon as I leave this place, I'm going to be arrested or worse. This is what I got, and I guess I better make the best of it for the time being, right? Be what like, I got. <laughs> like, that's not a decision that you just all up and realize all at once. Like, you have to think your way through things like that before you come to, like, that realization. I feel like her options are super absolute, though. Like, hang yeah. out with a masked man who has, like, Jack Nicholson eyebrows or be dead. Yeah. We hear a little bit of his plan, like, uh, you think, she asks, or you think blowing up Parliament's really going to help? And he's like, maybe, I can't guarantee anything, but if enough people think it'll help, it'll help. But I feel like on the outside, he was very well spoken. It's a symbol, and if enough people are behind the symbol, it means more than just itself. But on the inside, he was just like, it's gonna look cool as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Also, I'm going to play that 1812 Overture, and that is dope. That's what he gets off to, so that's probably why it meant so much to him. Uh, the next thing I have is that Glenn Beck, Alex Jones character we 
we see him in the shower, and then V shows up and is like, "Hey, you remember me? I'm going to fucking kill you." Can oh, we just no. how cool that shower is, though? That's a really oh. fucking cool shower. That's like a, a Donald Trump shower. And he's got those like three giant TVs that only broadcasts his own fucking show, just so he could just stroke his ego the whole time. Like I said, a Donald Trump shower. Tremendous. Except it's not golden. I think it'd be best if you cut that part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what, what, what am I gonna do? Get like a mess? He's like, I don't like pee. Da, 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 da. <laughs> just Trump. <laughs> yeah, I'm like whatever. Look, my agents have been listening to your podcast for weeks. <laughs> Um, yeah, but he gets he gets murdered, and that that shows up on the mood the the news Jesus the news the next day, and Natalie Portman's character goes, oh my God, did you did you kill him? He goes, do you want me to lie to you? She goes, no. And he goes, yeah, I killed him, yep. and I'm gonna kill him more. <laughs> Even on the news, they say, oh, he had a stroke or something like. Yeah, like, all the bad things that happen to key people in the fascist regime, the news of the events are, like, whitewashed into this very nationalistic, very patriotic stuff. Like, even though he was, like, slashed to death and pretty much bled in his bathroom, they're just like, oh, he just died in his sleep to natural causes. Oh, yeah. he was such a grand man. He woke up dead with a smile on his face. <laughs> Can't wake up dead unless you're a zombie. We'll get to that. That's V for Vendetta 2. <laughs> the beginning. The beginning. <laughs> uh, the next little bit, we get to hear about Lark Hill. And this is, you know, uh, brought back over and over and over. This is the backstory for V and the uh, disease that's going around, this pandemic that's killing people. Yeah, it, like, it turned out like 80,000 people passed away during this like ridiculous epidemic. And it had all been like whitewashed in the news saying it was like some terrorist plot. You know, you know, they attacked some school, they attacked some orphanage like or something. A water treatment like, too. Yeah, yeah, that as well. And they just blamed it on this like poor brown gentleman, like just trying to get that fear, like that image of an enemy in the people's heads. Yeah. It's a foreign person. They're the bad guys. Ooh. Yeah, then all of the UK was just like, that's him right there, get that bloke. And they did. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then we also hear a little bit about uh, Evie's backstory, where uh, her father was kind of a revolutionary of some sort. I was a little bit shady on this, uh, but anyway, they like black capped her mom and her brother and hasn't seen anybody since. Uh, yeah, like her her backstory was basically the backstory of uh, what's her name from Kill Bill, Lucy Liu's character. Yes, I'm not trying to like jump ahead plot wise, but can we discuss something really quick? You know, we're all about spoilers anyway, so who gives a shit? At the end, she's like, ah, the, te the this detective guy who's involved. He goes, well, who was he? And she goes, ah, he was this dude. He was my father. He was my brother. He was me. He was my mom. He was my father. And, yeah. And whenever she said that, at first I went, is it her father? Did she kiss her dad? No. <laughs> All the best movies have incest. Star Wars, Back to the Future, you know. OT. I was thinking about that the other day, honestly, but that's a completely different subject. We'll get to that later. <laughs> But no, I think it was just saying he was a representative of the everyman in that society as opposed to the fascist regime. Yeah, he even mentions around that time that he is more idea than man in any 
Yeah. But at this point, Natalie Portman decides that she's going to get her hands dirty. <laughs> and how does she do that? By fucking dressing like little Bo Peep. Yeah, what? for fucking Rodney Dangerfield, no less. Yeah. yeah um, v tells her that the at the detention center that he was at, there was this priest who was now a bishop, and he likes little girls, so won't you go in there and, you know, distract him for a minute? This was a, a priest who was in control of a lot of shady shit at the detention facility that he was at. Yeah, and it's the kind of thing that where, like, you know diddling kids is bad. Everyone knows it, everyone feels it, except for these fucking pedophiles. And my, my girlfriend Jess, like, as we're watching, is like, she asked, like, how are they cool with this? I'm like, honey, this is absolute power we're talking about. They know it's awful, but they're going to help this old fucking fart diddle these kids. It's not necessarily because they want it, but it's because they can have it, maybe. Yeah, like, what else do you do once you've had it all? Do what you're not supposed to. It's fucking gross. But something, probably my only qualm with the writing or the, the plot here is uh, when she gets in with the, the bishop, she actually tells him, like, hey, that masked man... He sent me to distract you while he comes in through the door, which I unlocked, and he's going to kill you. Uh, and he's like, oh, you're beautiful. Oh, I love I, your stories. Yeah, and, like, I don't really understand what her plan was there. She's like, I need protection. What's well, he going to do once he's dead? I think her plan was to, like, snap him out of it for, like, a hot moment and just be like, oh, shit, like, this is, like, a, an actual threat. But he's just like, no, your story just made me even harder. Well, I mean, she had the little blush cheeks and the little poofy skirt. Whenever she was telling him that someone was coming to kill him, I was like, you know what? I'm getting pretty hard, too, Natalie Portman. <laughs> it's all about the tutu. Yeah. But V comes in. He kills the priest. She runs away. And the inspector shows up. And he starts to get kind of berated because he's digging around into that, uh, you know, the secret facility yeah. and all the back going on and all this dirty business that he shouldn't be digging into and the guy literally basically goes forget about the dirty business and go get the batman he's one of like the absolute he's been on the uh the side of the party for like 26 years or something like that he is absolutely full-on siding with this fascist regime but he's starting to come to terms with maybe things aren't as they seem it just seems kind of odd because you have John Hurt, who was like the British Hitler, or the Britler, if you will, telling this man to dig deeper. But then you have the like his like little finger or whatever, telling him, like, no, don't dig anywhere you're not supposed to. But like these things are so intertwined, there's like no fucking way around it. Yeah, like, they are one and the same. So it's kind of impossible for him to do his job without finding out more about what he's not supposed to. And he's kind of okay with it until... His allegiance is questioned. He goes, hey, wait a minute. Aren't you a dirty Irishman? <laughs> no, no my mother was Irish. Years. He's like, you're an Irishman. And, you know, that's close, but it's not English. Yeah. And then cut the Bo Peep at the door of Gordon. She ran all across town dressed as Bo Peep. Yeah, she ends up at Gordon, uh, Stephen Fry's house, and he's just like, what the fuck is this? Come on, get in here. Let's, what's going on? And then they fill into the whole thing, like, you know, he was the gentleman that she was going to go see that night before she got uh, fingered. 
she's a wanted outlaw, and Stephen Fry is trying to be like, listen, I have like way, way worse things in this house to get me yeah. killed than you being here. It turns out he has this like really cool, like little museum of stuff that he salvaged through the years, like a Koran. That fucking picture of like um, God Save the Queen with John Hurt's face over yes. uh, Queen Elizabeth, that's fucking phenomenal. I love that. I'd love to have yes. a copy of it. Yeah. Uh, also, he's got a good bit of gay porn. Oh, yeah, it turns out, like, you know, he has to, like, invite cute women over from time to time just for the image that he's still a straight man, but in reality... Cast off the facade. Yeah. Has anyone else started correlating? We got Batman. We got Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> Things just... We got Lois Lane or whoever the fuck she's supposed to be. This is all DC Comics' hand. Just wiggling in there. Maybe. Like... Alan Moore has stated that he has never seen this movie and he's opted to like, take no royalties from this movie because of the last two pictures he hated. One oh. being the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Be sure to check out that <laughs> cast. Uh, have you all read the, the uh, comic? I remember, again, seeing it at Hot Topic during this yeah. era. <laughs> and I had watched the movie, and mind you, I was way younger then, um, watching the movie, and it was political. This movie is very political. And at the time, all I could think was, I don't give a fuck. Kill somebody. And so I had no interest in reading it then. I would honestly like to take a look at it now with a more adult viewpoint. The only thing I can remember, I had a buddy in junior high who had it. And I remember it being much more visceral and gory than what the movie is. Yeah, this is like a PG-13, right? Yeah, it's gotta be. I would imagine. Yeah, um, Stephen Fry once... She is at his house. The Gestapo breaks into Stephen Fry's house. They black hood him. She luckily escapes uh, out of the window, and then they black hood her and take her in. Yeah, but it's just like that little scene that we got earlier of her, like her past. It was pretty much verbatim. She just hid under the bed. They mm-hmm. took Stephen Fry away. She like crawls out the window, and she gets joinked herself. You know, they raid his house. Because he does a comedy news bit about the uh, prime minister, the chancellor, what are they calling him? Yeah, the chancellor. Yeah, Brutler. Yeah, and it's very Benny Hill. They're like, hey, we we beat the bad guy. And then it would cut to the chancellor's legs and, you know, there's V between him, like, pretending to mime laughing and all this nonsense. Oh, he's got the little cigar. Yeah, he, he, like, ties the chancellor's shoes together. And then they finally catch V, and it's just the Chancellor under that. Like, it took me a while to realize that none of these people are the actual people. Like, neither one of the Chancellors on screen were the actual Chancellor. But it was really cool to see how the British public were just like, man, this is like a, you know, a breath of fresh ass, and they were just digging it. You know, they've been <laughs> oppressed for so long. It's like this wacky little skit, which is, it's not funny, but, you know... Now, it's just kind of one of those things where you start to, like, you start to humanize the bad guy, you know? And it was just wacky. It was kind of like when people started to really root for the NWO, you know? Like, they started out (laughs) as being, like, exclusively the bad guys, and then more and more you'd see people with NWO t-shirts. It was kind of like that turning point here. Okay, so I know it's off-subject, and we're talking about the NWO, so i got to bring this up. The turning point for me with the NWO, I was sting. I was sting all day. Scott Hall sold me on the NWO. Somebody threw a fucking cup of soda while he was doing that too sweet monologue. The Uh shit throws him in the face. And instead of getting mad, he never loses his smile. He just takes his wet face, pushes the soda back into his already greased back hair, fixes it perfectly, 
and then just does that little arm thing he does and smiles. And Kurt Henning is on uh, commentary that night. He goes, it's just perfect. And then the show ends. And I went, <laughs> fuck yeah, it is. That sounds like the perfect heel moment, though, you know? It is. But speaking of heels, the, you know, the prime minister, he's mad. He's killing people, you know, and he, quote unquote, has captured Natalie Portman. And she's being tortured. And all she has to do is give up a little bit of information about V. And the only thing that she has to cling to is this lady who is slipping her notes through a hole in the wall. She has this, like, really long, robust story about how she grew up being, like, a gay woman in this, like, really oppressive Britain. And, like, she had this, like, really great time with her before, like, everything came crashing down. It's super poignant. What I took from this wasn't... Was that it wasn't always a super oppressive Britain, but it came to be that level of oppression over the course of one person's lifetime. Quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah really quick. Was it like three years or something? She had like three years with that young lady before like, they, they fucking gacked her in the middle of the night, then they came and got her too. Mm-hmm. But this is honestly like the biggest turning point in tone for me for the movie. It gets real dark real quick here. It does. And. You know, she's barely clinging to her sanity. She's being tortured. She's got her head shaved. Um, She's going through this battery of tests. And we're not really shown how much time goes by, but it's, you know, it's uh, referenced that it's been a while, like quite a fucking while. Yeah, I want to say months, maybe. Because by that, like, once it's over, there's not a whole lot of time until November. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's probably at least nine or ten months. But this... This is also where I have questions because there are multiple people talking in front of her. I thought the same thing. Um, there is multiple people shown to her at the same time doing horrible things to her. I think, and well, I then mean, I, I don't think there's more than one person like at a given time. I, there is, yeah, there is. At any like, given point, there is at least two people, like, at a couple of different points. Were they moving? Because we do find out later on that a lot of the soldier outposts were just mannequins. Having conversations, Lee, because it's revealed, hey, hey, it was V. V rescued her by capturing her and torturing her and breaking her down. Yeah, he wanted to make sure that she wasn't going to give him up, that, you know, that, you know, he was safe with her. And it's fucked up. It's really fucked up. And they tried to explain it that, that, you know, there were dummies there and this, that, and the other. But the screen literally shows you two people standing in a doorway and then they walk away. It doesn't show one dude pick up one inanimate man and walk off. Yeah, I'm honestly not sure how to (laughs) rationalize that, to be honest. But movie's got a movie, maybe? I guess so. Uh, But this really is where, at that point... The movie stops being, like, a Christopher Nolan Batman movie, and it gets to be, like, I get a little bit of old boy there for a minute. Oh, yeah. For sure. Like, the the whole daily meal gets, like, swapped down. Mm -hmm. But, like, it it culminates into, like, a really cool moment. Almost like uh, Morgan Freeman towards the end of Shawshank Redemption at his little, like, uh, evaluation or whatever. It's like, you can just, like, shove it up your ass. Yeah, she's just ready to die. Uh, There's a big word that you know, take her behind the fucking chemical station or the water tower or whatever and shoot her. And she's like, fuck it, do it, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she, she is she, finally she, going to get the axe, man. 
And speaking of Axeman, what I've got here today is from Surly Brewing Company, the Axeman IPA. Yeah, this is, I believe, a 7.2%. Uh, they just label it a regular IPA, but it's it's fairly hazy. I'd call it probably a hazy, like, almost New England-style IPA. Now, imagine lots trying of, to print that on the front of the bottle, though. Yeah, lots of uh, mango and pineapple notes. Very tropical. Yeah, you get a lot of that in the flavor, too. A um, little bit of grapefruit as well, orange rind. It's a really tropical, really fruity IPA. Reserved hoppiness. It's pretty good, to be honest. It's, uh, it's I mean, it's not great, but it's super good. Is there a drink you can equate that to for us, uh, you know, West Coast impaired folks? Oh, this is a, actually a Minnesota beer. And certainly is, while not available in a lot of the third world states, um, it's available in most major cities. Now, here's a question. Since you have moved to California, mm -hmm. have you found the selection of alcohol to be better, worse, or very much the same? Um, I haven't been to a lot of really big uh, vendors of beer, although I hear that they exist. Most of the places that I encounter, it's pretty much the same, not the same items, but the same amount of choices just by different breweries. Okay. Well, I was just curious. Yeah. Um, like normal places that you would go to buy beer in West Virginia would be like, I don't know, Kroger, Target. Drug Emporium. <laughs> yeah, Drug Emporium, although Drug Emporium is more the exception than the rule, God bless them. I feel like a Drug Emporium on the West Coast is an actual dispensary. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, hey, but get your heroin here! <laughs> in all of those normal places, the amount of, like, the number of different beers that they have is pretty much the same. It's just, like, the selection is a little bit different. It's not better or worse, it's just different. Well, since that quenched your thirst... We get our own thirst quenched by how the movie lets us know that this is a, some real deep shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is a really neat scene because we get to see Natalie Portman coming to terms with, you know, her commitment to this vengeance, to this idea. And she is reborn in this rainstorm as V was born in this fire. And it's really cool because they kind of like do a take of the rain and then a take of the fire and then, you know, Toto starts playing. <laughs> but, like, V's cry of, like, freedom is, like, really awesome. He's like, Wah! Yes. And then Natalie Portman's just like, <laughs> I was just like Is that her war face? Enough, his, uh, V's being born out of the fire at this, uh, this, what was it called? Like, a detention center that he was locked in which was one of the places that got hit with the disease. There was a big fire there, and he was, as far as I can tell, the only detendant that survived. And he survived with very bad burns all over his entire body. I think they also allude to him like not having eyes or anything. Yeah, they, they make reference that he shouldn't have eyes. And this dude clearly sees just fucking fine, so is he echolocating what is happening <laughs> now, i i don't remember hearing anything about him not having eyes but i mean maybe it's, i oh, no the Does lady that mean... corner, she says it she's like oh you're the dude that was all burnt up without the eyeballs and huh. he even where he comes out later uh under the guise to talk to the inspector of that old man he is blind he has a cane 
Does that mean he's like bat spaceman? Damn. <laughs> so, did anyone else think that this was fucked up? Because, you know, she's reborn. Things are happening. Uh, he's like, okay, cool. We've got to do this. She goes, listen, man, I got to go. <laughs> and he's heartbroken. And she cock teases him with a kiss. Yeah, she's yeah. right up on his lips. And she's like, thanks. And he turns into Sadby. The little smirk turns into a frown. And he starts breaking his shit. Well, what's, what's he going to do with his little toasted viney sausage? He's a fingerman. Oh, no. <laughs> I guess he was like, man, the kiss the cook apron totally work. Yes. So I was like, oh, man, what am I going to do with the fuck the cook one? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember where she go. Al? Well, she goes back to, yeah, she goes back to her, like, regular life. She goes shopping for groceries. She just walks about town. And oh, her she, head is completely shaved, so, like, nobody really recognizes her. <laughs> Not only that, she's, like, 100% malnourished. <laughs> and, you know, yes. just atrophied, pale. Walking around. Tearing up pictures of the Pope. Oh, but V does say, hey, I'd like to see you one more time before November 5th. Like, you know, because that's that's when it's going to happen. Like, will you stop by then, you know? Send Bob's in for Jean? And she's like, I don't know, maybe. And this is where we get a gigantic exposition dump. All kinds of things start getting thrown in about, about, you know, uh, the... The disease was man-made, it was used for power, this, that, and the other. Um, we're introduced to uh, this character named Creedy a lot more intimately. The inspector gets a lot more time to show this relationship and this trust that he's trying to build with B, while B is, in fact, building a, you know, almost a blackmail relationship with this Creedy character, because he has access to our good, good friend, the uh, Chancellor, or whatever the fuck he is. Yeah, like, this is where we have, like, a dramatic shift in, like, who's on what side. Like, not only do we have the public yearning for freedom, but we also have, like, the people who are just under uh, John Hurt's, like that gentleman you just mentioned, questioning his own, what do you call it, allegiance? Allegiance, oh. yeah, that's a good word. Go on and go with allegiance, Alec. Yeah, uh, what is Creedy? He's, like, a, like the secretary <laughs> general or something He's like, like that? He's, like, the Himmler, you know? Okay. And uh, another thing we get along those lines is we get the the inspector guy, the detective. He's picking up more and more information throughout all of this. And uh, he realized that the only one left is, um, like, there was a doctor that worked at this detention center. And she changed her name over the years. And she's working as, like, a, what is she? Like, she works in a morgue. He's just like, we're not going to make it to her before he does. And we actually get to see V sit down and, you know, have a conversation with the person that he's about to kill, the coroner lady. And she's like, there was nothing I could do. And he's like, but you, you know, you let it all happen. Are you going to kill me? I already gave you the poison 10 minutes ago. Am I going to feel anything? No, thanks. That's pretty much how that goes. And she's the last one. Yeah, it was, it was bittersweet. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, all the pieces are kind of in place. It's, you know, the night of the fourth. Turns out that the V, his, like, ultimate plan is to run this subway cart full of explosives right under the Parliament's asshole. And the London Underground has been shut down for years in this movie. So, but, like, he's, like, the type of guy who spends the last ten years unearthing the tunnel and relaying all the track. Yeah. Him and Boots of Collins are gonna get the funk and blow up Parliament. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... This this is a really cool moment because they lay out this idea that V has been sending out all these cloaks, all these masks, 
Who knows where he's getting the money? Who knows where he's getting the materials? Who's bulking these fucking things in manufacturing? But he sends them all out. And basically, the idea is everyone's starting to see that the government is fucked, kind of like how it is now. And it's a powder keg. And they're just waiting. And even V is just waiting for someone to light the match. And one of the fingermen does when he shoots a small child dressed as V. Yeah, and at this point, you know, he's mailing them out to, like, everyone. So every child on every block in the city has one of these. All the adults do, too. But it's becoming really commonplace. And V is seen as, like, sort of this playful revolutionary. Or, I guess, Guy Fox is. He's kind of like that, the likable rogue character at this point. For sure. And now since the powder keg's been lit, everybody in the entire nation's is totally just up in arms at this moment. But not quite like, you know, guns versus guns. You know, this is a peaceful protest. And in the opposition, you have the uh, UK's military just like armed to the teeth with like rifles, bulletproof vests. And they're just like at basically walking at each other on the streets. It's fucking cool. And they have a moment where he goes, well, what's going to happen? He goes, the same thing that always happens when people without guns stand up to people with guns. Mm-hmm. And there's a really beautiful moment, though, as all these people are unifying and standing up against this corrupt government. They're walking towards the military and they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting. And the government's, you know, you're like, they're going to fucking shoot them. And I got to say, in reality, I think they would have shot him. But in the yeah. film, <laughs> they just hold their fire and they walk through. That was the moment where I, too, thought, like, man, all it takes is some one dipshit to fire one round, and it's yeah, for sure. completely over. It's a protester to hit one guy. Or throw, like, a bottle or something. Just do something, somebody doing something stupid. Yeah. But in this case, like, the military were, like, were completely just down to the, their orders, and, like, their higher-ups just didn't exist. Turns out that the, uh, the Himmler, or whatever his name was, had captured John Hurt, and delivered him to V in the tunnels. Okay. Yeah, because like, I, I, I didn't connect that the, uh, what's his name, uh, Grady or what's his name? McCready or Creedy. Creedy. I didn't connect that Creedy was having like a change of heart. My thought was, um, the old man when the old man told the detective by the old man, I mean V as the old man told the detective like keep your eyes on. Uh, John Hurt, whatever his character was, the Chancellor, like, protect him at all costs. Like, hide him away. Don't let him see the public. I thought that's what that was. Like, they were using, like, an imposter for him to make all of his speeches, just like there were two imposters on Stephen Fry's show. And this was, you know, the real real Chancellor. Well, I don't even think it was a change of heart. It was just like a change of just pride. It wasn't a of anything. Um, well, it, was, it had been a change of pride because, like, even though he was totally on the side of John Hurt, like he was being treated like trash to like the second third of the movie. Yeah. So by the end of it, he's like, "Oh, I'm just going to deliver you up because V spared me, and this is the ultimatum." No, V told him that if he delivered the Chancellor, he would give uh, Creedy himself he would you know turn himself in and he would be the hero which would let him then go on to be you know the new figurehead which that was a fucking lie (laughs) but the final scene of the movie i mean aside from the awesome little gun and knife fight display that we have there between v and like all the gestapo um i mean you can't skip over it like that i mean this man is literally too angry to die 
Yes. Yeah. He rages, doubles his fucking hit points, has resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. And he can move really good with all that armor on. It's because you got those Wachowskis over there with their fucking 50 cameras. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he just stabs up a bunch of motherfuckers after getting shot the fuck up. Yeah, he does. He, he does just turns into fucking... and Dyson. Like, but, like, he holds up. Like, not only does he get fucking shot to shreds and back, he also makes the journey back to Natalie Portman and the train before he farts off. Yeah, he yeah, gets Portman... the little hero and he gets his little smooch. Yeah, Natalie Portman's waiting for him back at the control arm of the subway, the London Underground, the tube uh, train that was full <laughs> of explosives. And, you know, she makes a little... V does die right here. This is the last bit of the movie. V dies. She makes a nice little sarcophagus for him inside the train so he can be like a martyr or whatever. And the inspector comes up and is like, Owed it right there. Don't <laughs> fucking do it. And she's like, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. <laughs> I just like that moment of just like, Welly, 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 well. <laughs> oh, what we got going on here, eh? A little bit of your ultra violence. Yeah. Uh, this conversation right here does remind me of my one qualm that I do have with Natalie Portman. She doesn't do a great English accent. Like, they no. could have gotten maybe a real English actress that could maybe pull it off a little bit better. I still think Natalie Portman does fine overall, but uh, her accent... Uh... Natalie Portman. Serviceable. Oh, <laughs> <I> mean... <laughs> And just like that, she pulls the lever, Parliament goes up in a fucking blaze of glory, and all the people who are wearing masks and NBs get up, they take off their masks so they can witness it with their real eyes, yeah. and they have this like moment of, like, everything is going to be different now. Yeah, and we do hear uh, fucking Tchaikovsky's 1812 Overture again, there are fireworks, it's celebratory. Yeah, you get, like, the Big Ben bada-boom. <laughs> hey, look, kids, Big Ben, Parliament. And... Uh, there's a, a touching little bit in there too as it's panning over the crowd as they take off the mask I don't know if you guys caught it uh, Stephen Gordon's there yeah. all of the dead characters who were you know died in this martyrdom fashion are there in the crowd you know oh Joe Everyman the only the only one that I saw or recognized was Stephen Fry so I was like oh yeah, maybe he didn't die but if you say that her, she's there and her girlfriend was there well, if you say that, that means it's, like, symbolism, you know, like, everybody's everybody. You yeah, know? that changes the meaning a little bit for me, too. Yeah, so, okay, that's actually kind of nice, because I just thought he died in that whole speech that got her into V's arms again, which is completely just worthless. But, yeah, um... That's it? I, yeah, that's that's the movie. Uh, Parliament <laughs> and Big Ben goes boom, uh, and we don't really know what happens after that. Is there really a revolution after the Chancellor dies? Um... We'll see. Uh, so what's after V? W? W for what? <laughs> w for you what, mate? Natalie Portman needs to work. <laughs> I'm just thinking V-dub. Like this whole fucking Volkswagen commercial. Yeah, baby. Fucking love that guy. Or dub V. What, what? What, what? So final thoughts, fellas? I liked it. I feel like this movie almost meant a little bit more to like 13-year-old Eric, but now that it's almost coming to fruition in real life it's kind of spooky but still a really good movie yeah the amount of the reflection of modern society right fucking now that you can see in this film is mind-boggling 
it's crazy. But to me, there there's some definite weak points here. There's some the movie doesn't know what it wants to be, and to me that bothers me. There's like comedy bits. There's over the top action superhero bits. There's romance. It's got a little something for everybody, but to me that's too much. I don't like when it's just a hodgepodge. I think you're trying to make the point that I was trying to make earlier is that I said it should be like more gritty, like more of a revenge thriller, you know? Yeah, a bit more grounded in something that you could take a bite out of instead of, you know, you're nibbling on a sample tray. You kind of like wanted to be like on like the old boy train. You wanted the revenge to make you feel good. This is Beast's movie. Let's focus on him. Let's just do this. Uh, The biggest parallel that I have to this movie is the most recent Joker film in that it's kind of a revenge movie. Uh, It's real. It is gritty, but there are a little bit of comedy elements in there just tossed in as well. But it's I don't know if you should be happy or upset or sad or whatever at the end. Um, it had been a long time since I saw this movie in theaters, and it's been a long time because I just didn't think I would like it as much as I did back then. But I absolutely do. Uh, I think this held up really well, and especially given the current circumstances in the world, uh, I think it's as applicable as ever. I liked it quite a bit. Hey, and there you have it. V for Vendetta from 2005. If you have any strong feelings about the cast or the movie, leave them in the comments below. Make sure you hit that like and subscribe button too. So, uh, and we've got a little bell icon down there if you can see that. Tap that so you know next time we have another one of these brewing. You said tap that. Yeah. Get out there and check us out on all of our different social medias. We got that Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, a Reddit, and awesome now semi-Canadian administrator constantly pumping out new content for you guys and if you don't want to check that out then we might have to get the fingerman after you you what mate